Welcome to the 180 Ministry Podcast. Please check us out at the1-80.org. sad words of tongue or pen, the saddest are these. It might have been. Probably the most well-known lines from a poem called Maud Miller written by John Greenleaf Whittier about 150 years ago. It's a story, a story about a peasant girl who one day a uh, A fellow rode up on horseback, stopped. She gave him a drink from the stream running by. They visited for a while. He was a young and upcoming judge. She was a young peasant girl. As he rode back into town, she dreamed of what it would be like to be the judge's wife and to live a life of comfort and ease and prestige. He, on the other hand, He wondered what it would be like to live on a farm, free from the restrictions and demands of court life and all that he had to face every day. As the poem goes, both of them wistfully held their thoughts throughout their lives, but they were never acted upon. And he comes to the lines, God pity them both and pity us all who vainly the dreams of youth recall for of all said words of tongue or pen, The saddest are these, it might have been. Yet this is not where the poem ends. Uh, Whittier had a much bigger, much bigger thought in mind when he wrote the poem. It was an illustration. And here's the final concluding lines of the poem. Ah, well for us all, some sweet hope lies deeply buried from human eyes. And in in the hereafter, angels may roll the stonum from its grave away. Got tongue-tied on that one. I'll have to read it again. What did it say to you? Listen. Ah, well, for us all, some sweet hope lies deeply buried from human eyes, and in the hereafter, angels may roll the stone from its grave away. What do you hear him saying? I hear him saying there are bigger, more important things in life of whether we live in the country or whether we live in the city whether we're a judge or whether we're a farmer. There's much, much bigger issues at stake. What is the more important that Whittier had in mind? And that is the offer of eternity that God offers each one of us. And what are we going to do about it? If that offer is missed because of poor choices and we stand upon among the lost, then and only then will we see how sad it was, and what might have been. I believe Whittier wrote this captivating poem in order to challenge his readers to act on the dream of heaven. Make it a reality. Make it a priority. In Matthew 16, 26, Jesus asked a very important question. We're going to look at this a number of times as I share with you today. I'm going to keep bringing the question up because it's one we need to ask. Jesus said, for what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What's the clear and obvious answer? What profit is it 
If someone gains the whole world and loses their own soul? Well, the obvious answer is there's nothing that is worth that. Can you think of anything that you would be willing to accept in exchange, knowingly accepting in exchange for the eternity that God offers you? I don't think I'll ever forget the dinner around our family table a number of years ago. I was 14 or 15 at the time, and my uncle Jimmy from Pennsylvania came back home to Louisiana where the family was. He was over at our house, and we were having a meal together. And he said something that totally shocked me. I couldn't believe anyone would say it. The subject of eternity, of salvation, of God's love came up. And my mom was talking with her brother, pleading with him to, again, give God some attention. Give God an opportunity to speak to his heart. And my uncle Jimmy said, no, I made a deal with the devil. I told him for a cool million he could have my soul. I, I, I was shocked. I I still get uh, goosebumps thinking that anyone would say anything like that. And I remember my mom's quick and smart response. She said, well, brother, it looks like you've been cheated. He said, what do you mean I've been cheated? She says, it sounds to me like the devil's already got your soul, and I haven't heard that you've got a million dollars in the bank yet. (laughs) And he didn't. And I am thankful that as the years passed, my Uncle Jimmy had a change of heart. Can you think of anything you would be willing to accept? A cool million? (laughs) A lady said to me a few years ago, we were talking, and the the idea of a million dollars in the bank account came up. And she said, Bob, a million dollars really isn't that much. Stop thinking a million dollars is a lot. And I've thought about that over the years. A million dollars really isn't a lot. And you know what's really sad when it comes to eternity? Most people don't even think about the exchange that they're making. It just sort of happens without putting the mind into gear, into focus. And what is it that I'm actually doing? Exchanges are made, exchanging eternity for the nothingness of what passes in this life. And it just happens because we don't think. A friend of mine, Rob Griffin, told me the story of something that happened when he was 11 or 12 years old. He had a collection of pennies. They were all in his piggy bank, and every penny he got, all the coins he got, went into this piggy bank. And one day his mom called to him, Rob! Come in the house, get ready, we're going to town. So Rob came to town, and Rob knew when he went to town, when he went to the store, there was a gumball, and he wanted, he wanted to get some gum. So he quickly ran in, shook his piggy bank, got out a few pennies, put them in his pocket, and went to town, and he enjoyed those gumballs. And uh, I think he probably chews gum a little longer than me. I chew gum long enough for the sweet to be gone, then it's gone. Uh, I, I don't, I don't want to just chew on something. But Rob, however long he enjoyed that gum, he enjoyed the gum. And then some weeks later, then he decided to look through his penny collection, and there was one penny he was particularly looking for, specifically looking for. It was a 1943 penny. Do you look at the dates on your pennies? Do you know what they are? If you ever get a 1943 penny, then it's either going to be made out of steel or out of copper. And there's almost none made out of copper. 
Rob's was made out of copper. You see, it was during the war. And in 1943, copper was... So, uh, so they went to steel. And if you have a copper 1943 penny, is extremely rare, making it quite valuable. Rob could not find his penny. He went through and he looked at every date and then he remembered, oh no, oh no, I shook out pennies. I did not look at them. I spent my 1943 penny for a piece of gum from the gumball machine. Well, no big loss, right? Let me read to you what I read this week. And Rob knows this information. This is more update than when he told me the story. In January 2019, a year ago, a rare 1943 copper penny was sold at Heritage Auctions for $204,000. CBS News reports that another of the 1943 copper pennies sold in 2010 for $1.7 million. Without thinking, Rob traded his 1943 copper penny for a piece of gum. And then there was, and I may be pronouncing it wrong, Alitalia Airlines and Italian Airlines. They made a mistake in 2006. They offered special fares from, what was it, Toronto to Cyprus. And the person who posted it online just left off a couple of zeros. That's all. They offered the flight from Toronto to Cyprus for $39. And quickly they started selling. Almost 2,000 of them were sold within hours, and it was quickly noticed those two zeros that left off, which only made a difference of $3,859 per ticket. Well, Alitalia Airlines honored the price and the tickets, and it cost them over $7 million for just a few hours of leaving off a couple of zeros. That's all. Just a simple, careless oversight, but with big consequences. And then there's a fellow by the name of James Howell. Have you ever heard of Bitcom? Or Bitcoin, rather? Bitcoin and cryptocurrency? How many have heard of cryptocurrency? A number of you have. I really kind of don't understand the idea of something of value that exists only in cyberspace but it's real and it really exists and it really has value. There's really something called Bitcoin. Well, this fellow, James Howell, had acquired 7,500 Bitcoin when it really wasn't worth much. And it existed only on his hard drive, which he could connect into the cloud for exchanging and purchasing. Well, then he spilled coffee on his computer. Uh, and things are not going good. He was able to rescue the hard drive. He took the hard drive out. He downloaded all that he thought was important on it, and then he wrapped it up in a cloth, and he put it into a drawer into his desk, and he didn't give it any thought. In fact, he didn't even give it any thought when some months later he moved, he was throwing things out, and he threw away that hard drive. It was gone. And then some months later, when Bitcoin began rising in value, he thought, oh, my Bitcoin, oh, it's on my hard drive. 
And he went to the dump and he began going through and digging and sorting through, trying to find that hard drive, hoping maybe in spite of being thrown away in the dump, it might have been protected some way and he might be able to rescue his 7,500 Bitcoin. It wasn't long before Newport City Council barred him from continuing the search because they were afraid that he was going to open up some environmentally hazardous waste materials that had been put into the dump. And so he couldn't go there and look for it. The value of Bitcoin continued to rise. In December of 2017, his Bitcoin would have been worth $1.48 million. And without thinking, he threw it away. <laughs> but the, all that, these stories, they're just money, just money. Consider the high cost of Captain Edward Smith's decision the night of April 14, 1912. Do you know who he was? The captain of the Titanic. Investigation actually cleared him of fault. Didn't do him any good. He was dead. They cleared him of fault saying that he acted according to the policies that would have been considered okay at that time, and they looked and they changed some of the policies to make things safer. It was a clear night. The water was calm. Yes, the Titanic was traveling at a rapid speed, but it wasn't at top speed. It could have been going faster. The only mistake that Captain Smith made was in not giving serious attention to the radio broadcast from some other ships saying they had seen ice in the area. He had given the order that if it became foggy, if in some way the ability to see uh, ahead of them by those that were watching through the night, th th to slow down. But they thought they were safe until they weren't. And the cost at that time, forget the cost of the ship. Over 1,500 people died that day from a simple mistake of not heeding the warnings because they thought they weren't really that important. They weren't really that significant. So Jesus asked a question, and he's asking a question about the big thing, the big question that matters. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? A few chapters earlier, that was in Matthew 16, if you flip back to chapter 13, then Jesus shared a couple of illustrations, little one-sentence parables about the value of the kingdom of heaven. In verse 44, Matthew 13, 44, I read the words of Jesus. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he buys the field. How much according to this story that Jesus told, what's his point? What is the value of the kingdom of heaven? greater than all your possessions. Give them all up for the treasure. That's the point that Jesus is wanting to make. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, I've wondered why Jesus asked, what will a man give in exchange for his soul instead of what will a man take in exchange for his soul? And so I did a lot of reading, a lot of different translations. And I liked the translation of the Dewey Rhymes Bible. It says, or what exchange 
shall a man give for his soul? What are you willing to exchange for your eternal life? Is there something you would be willing to exchange for? I think the answer of all of us here today is, no, I'm not going to exchange anything. But do we without thinking? Every choice that we make is giving up another choice, right? That's life. Let us choose wisely. Many times we have an opportunity to rethink, to, re, to, to change our mind, to come back and to get a do-over. I was, uh, I was down in Mexico a number of years ago on a mission trip, and one afternoon we stopped and we were going through some shops, and I saw something that I was attracted to and I thought I might want to bring back as a souvenir. And the lady told me, this is the price. And I said, well, okay, I think that's a good price. And she said, so here, give me the money and it's yours. And I said, my bus is parked right out here. I'm going to walk up the street and back. I'll come back. Well, I did. I came back and I picked it up and I handed her the money. And she says, no, that's not the price anymore. I said, what do you mean? She said, I gave you the price when you were here before. And now she had almost double the price. I could have bought it for double the price, but I didn't. I walked out frustrated. I had passed up an opportunity when it was there, and I didn't rethink. I didn't change my mind. It didn't matter. But when it comes to heaven, today we have the opportunity to think and to examine what have been my choices in the past, what are my choices today, and what do I want my choices to be in the future. So in the context of Jesus' illustration, now is the time to act upon that treasure. Now is the time to exchange everything for the kingdom of heaven and the promise of God. Continuing in Matthew 13, the next verse, verse 45, Jesus says again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Now, I don't know a lot about pearls, except that they're made in clams. And I wouldn't know a valuable one when I saw one. But those who know them, know them. Is there a pearl that you know of that's more valuable than all that you own? Well, not to me. But Jesus was making the point, there is something that is worth more than everything that you currently have. And that is the kingdom of heaven. Still in Matthew, this time in Matthew 19, verse 16 begins by telling about a young fellow who had a question for Jesus. Matthew 19, verse 16, he asked Jesus, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? What was this fellow's name? We don't know. We don't know his name. We simply know he was a rich young ruler. Jesus, knowing him and knowing his heart, had this to say. He said, if you want to be perfect, go and sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. What he had, he thought, was more valuable than what Jesus was offering. But was it? Absolutely not. Jesus offered him value beyond anything he could have ever had 
anything he possessed. I like to wonder, did this man change his mind? Chuck, did he come back and say, okay, Jesus, I've followed through? I really doubt it. Because if he had, we would probably know that part of the story, and we would probably know his name. He's just one of many people that history has forgotten who passed up an opportunity that was worth more, more than this entire world. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Here's something to think about. Who can gain the whole world? <laughs> no one. Even the richest and the most powerful on earth only have a part, a little part. No one can gain the whole world. But Jesus says, imagine, imagine if that were possible to gain the whole world. Is it worth it? And the answer is absolutely no. There is no profit to to owning the entire world and losing your own soul. We were created from the dust of the ground, and when we die, we return to the dust of, ground, of the ground. And the years pass by, and we're forgotten, and others own that which we once owned. Matthew Henry, a 17th century theologian and a Presbyterian minister, commenting on this verse, wrote this. He said, thousands lose their souls for the most trifling gain or the most worthless indulgence, nay, often from mere sloth and negligence. Whatever is the object for which men forsake Christ, that is the price at which Satan buys their souls. Yet one soul is worth more than all the world. We need to wake up. We need to get our priorities right. Matthew Henry was, was absolutely right. And I like the way he writes the English of his time. Thousands lose their souls for the most trifling gain or the most worthless indulgence. Nay, often for mere sloth and negligence. Instead of growing in a life with Jesus, what do we exchange that for? How do we spend our time? Many spend their time reading cheap, useless books, fiction, which is worth nothing, and it distracts, and that becomes the life. Maybe it's video games, and video games can be very addicting. I know. I started getting addicted, and when I started getting addicted, I said, no, absolutely not, and I stopped. And some of you are going to laugh that are listening to this. I stopped at Pac-Man. <laughs> I don't know how many quarters I put into those machines, and I can still hear that noise, and I was getting good. But then I realized what a waste of my time, what a waste of my money, and I said, no, I have to stop because video games are addicting, and I knew it was addicting for me, and I had to stop. What about the latest movies? The television series that you just have got to watch. What is its impact on your choices, on your life, on your priorities? Many party with friends. Friends who 20 years from now won't even remember their names. But the time is spent in partying and socializing and in living the life. A life which amounts to nothing. But Jesus offers a life 
that amounts to eternity and friends that will know us and know our names throughout all eternity. I'm going to know all of your names throughout eternity. We're going to be friends and we're going to have a lot of good times together. Chuck, I'm going to learn to play the guitar good during eternity. Thank you for helping me now. Or maybe it's just our work schedule. Can work get in the way of time spent with Jesus? Absolutely, yes. Absolutely, yes. If someone called me a workaholic, I probably wouldn't have good evidence to say that's not true because work becomes important. So I want my work to be work that counts. Therefore, I am honored and privileged to be a pastor and to spend time talking with people about God and sharing and growing together and keeping our family, our church family, strong and healthy. And that's something that is a very high priority to keep us strong and healthy and connected, even, if, even in this time of pandemic, which is keeping us separated so much. We need to make it intentional and a high priority. Perhaps, and many have, perhaps we intend that someday, someday, I will give time to Jesus and give him time. I'm really too busy with other things right now. But unfortunately for most, someday never comes and life passes by. And then one day it's too late. Jesus saw that men were absorbed in their selfish gain. They were losing sight of the reality of eternity and its value. Not just value of eternal life, but value of Sins forgiven, value of the power of the Holy Spirit to transform our lives and to give us a new heart and to make us like God in thought and in spirit. So he challenged the people of, the day, of his day and he challenges us. So we need to ask ourselves the question to hear Jesus' question. What is a man profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And we know the answer. What is a man profited? Nothing. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Let's not, without thinking, lose what it is that God offers us. The day will come when the gates of heaven will open and, and Jesus will cry out to his children. Matthew 25, 34 has his words. Come, you blessed of my Father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I want to hear those words. And I know you want to hear them too. The gates of heaven are open. Come. The heaven is open. Come in. And you know, when I think of heaven, one of the things that I realize, and you may not realize this, but this is the truth of heaven. When the gates of heaven are opened, God is going to say, Jesus is going to say, come in and do whatever you want. Come on in and do whatever you want. Because when we have Jesus in our heart, he has given us the wants that our heart should desire. And that's what I want also. I want the blessing of the desires that I should want. I don't want what my selfish self wants. I want to have the right wants, the right desires. I want to have a heart and a spirit like God. And that's what he offers. How valuable is that? Hey, if I could have that today, 
You can have everything I own. <laughs> Nothing I have is worth having a heart transformed by the power of God. This world has nothing to offer that I would deliberately choose in exchange for what Jesus offers. And I believe you would say the same. So let us pray for wisdom from God, the ability to see clearly and to wisely make choices each day that will have the positive impact for eternity that God wants for us. And when we make those choices, they're going to have an impact on those around us as well and impact their choices. I don't want to miss out on anything that God offers. We sang the song a little bit ago. Uh, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. I'm thankful for that song. When the roll is called up there, up yonder, I will be there. And we sang the song, uh, I can only imagine, and we can. We can only imagine what it is that God offers us. But it's fun to imagine, so go ahead and keep trying and seeing what it is that God is offering to us. Right now, I invite you to say yes to Jesus. I accept what you want, and I realize this treasure that you offer is worth more than anything I possess. Please look us up online at the1-80.org and at the 180 YouTube channel. Please reach out to us with any questions or prayer requests. Until next time, thanks for listening.